Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in everybody this is the opening line with your host wits and Roz. we are back for another edition and the opening line of today is kd stay away we've got the nba finals underway how many i'm turning in a new m&m right in front of your eyes here wits with all of these rhymes and raps uh it's one one we've got game three tomorrow but we're coming at you with a podcast. We want to open up with, and I know you're going to say it as well, but thank you so much, Tori Christ, for coming on this weekend. Awesome podcast talking about the FIFA World Cup as well as her career and what's going on in her life. It was fantastic. You guys should go check it out on all platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts at. Go leave a review. Tell us what you, what you thought about it. If you have any questions for her, feel free to leave some questions, and we'll send them over her way. Um, but yeah, that was an awesome interview, wasn't it? Oh my God. Unbelievable. I think Tori's got a pretty bright future. If she ever wants to get into podcasting, I'm kind of worried she might be taking one of our jobs soon. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to tell you, I was going to replace you with her. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about it. She was, she was awesome. Um, always interesting hearing from professional athlete that's gotten to play overseas somewhere. I mean, you think about it, what kind of an experience that's got to be. And she took us through, you know, her time in Sweden, her time in Finland. Um, really unbelievable. I think it could really, really just tell, you know, how much of an impact that had on her. And it was, it was so great to hear her story, you know, playing for Boston, playing for Cornell, playing overseas. I mean, it was really special. Really glad that she got to come on. And hopefully how clutch we'll was it? That. How clutch was it having her say the team names and some of the other like international aspects of the conversation? I mean, I, w- I was going to botch that to the moon and back. I, I did not want to say it. Like I read them and I was like, and she kind of brought it up too. Like, I don't think people realize when you're born somewhere, you kind of develop like the, t- I, don't, I don't call it the tongue, but kind of the linguistics of that language. So it's really hard to pick up like different sounds and different vibes in, in another language in another place. So when she said those names, I was like, wow. Like, I, I don't think I could physically do that right now. Right, so I don't really, think I can utter those words. Yeah, but, because it just, like, it doesn't really just work. But, I mean, she was great at it. Um, you could just tell she learned a lot, not only about soccer, but just about the languages, the people. Um, so that, that was really special. It was great to have her on. Right, and so you were a baseball player, and we've talked about this on past episodes. Let's just say you were good enough to go pro, and I'm not going to take the MLB away from you, but say one of the stipulations is you had to go overseas and play professionally for a year. Where in the world would you want to go play? You have the choice, anywhere internationally. Don't pick Canada. <laughs> well, I think 
what you see a lot of guys do um, is go over to Korea. You know, I'm not really sure. What's in Korea? What's in Korea? That'd be interesting. That's a, like, nice TV idea. Yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, what the competition is like in all the different leagues that aren't in the United States. But I think Korea is, is definitely up there in terms of, like, an overseas league. But I would say, you know, you look at, you know, Major League Baseball, below that you've also got five or six classes of minor leagues, you know, triple, double, single A, high A, low A, rookie ball. You've got the independent leagues. Um, so, I mean, there's so much competition over yeah, here. Yeah, but I'm forcing you out of the United States right now. That's what I'm basically doing. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Korea. Party, party boy wits in Korea. Maybe yeah. Japan. You could be like an international superstar. Oh, yeah. Can you I imagine those commercials? Like the Wits commercials, and it's like all these like Korean letterings around it and like balloons. I just imagine, I'm just picturing this, and this is bad radio because nobody can get in the side of my head right now. But Korean Wits would be, that would be interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I think I would have a little bit of trouble picking up the language because I only know a little bit of Spanish. And I know, you know, Korean is a just a completely different animal. Um, but all I think the it'd symbols be fun. you'd have to learn. Oh yeah, I, I think it, I'd have a rough time, having a rough enough time, you know, trying to play professionally over there. But out of all the places to pick, I think Korea would be pretty cool. Um, and I think you've seen a lot of guys in the major leagues throughout the years who have, you know, spent a little time over there. And one of the guys I'm thinking of is Eric Thames. Um, he was a guy who completely reinvented himself over there. Came back. I think he hit probably 30, 35 bombs last year. He's been pretty bad this year. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy who went over and completely retooled his swing, did a great job. But I think it's interesting because you, you get a lot of guys who sometimes just can't kick it in the majors over here in the United States. You see him go to different places, and I think you've seen a lot of guys come through, um, you know, different parts of Japan, Korea. I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing, you know, overseas and professional sports. Yeah, no, completely. And uh, for me – just because I don't know what sport I'd play professionally, but I, I'm a guy who likes going overseas. I like the international waters. I think it's fun. I haven't traveled much. I've been to Spain and England. Um, I would like to do more time in Spain if I were a professional athlete. I think basketball works that way. I mean, we've gotten some of our players. Um, Nikola, or Nikola Mirotic, I've just totally botched his name, but that's totally fine. But I would, I would choose Spain if I had to choose a country to go play professionally that wasn't the United States. Now, obviously, me and you don't have those talents, and that's why we're podcasting. But uh, it's always fun, the hypotheticals. Uh, Let's get into the NBA Finals, though. And tough first game, because I lost a lot of money. You were on the phone with me as I was losing hundreds of dollars. Game two, a lot of potential. Lost the over-under. We'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But... uh, 1-1 1-1 series, and I think the Raptors lost that small glimmer of hope they had in winning this entire series. Now, I was completely wrong about the sweep, but they really should be up 2-0. Yeah, I mean, game one, say what you want. Warriors just did not play very well. But mentally game two, fragile. Mentally fragile, but game two, I give them a lot of credit. But this was, I think, the Toronto Raptors game to win, and they just couldn't get it done. Now we're tied 1-1. But, you know, I think the most basic thing, game two, the Raptors' failure to convert shots, I think, cost them the game. I mean, look at the Warriors. They scored 109 in both games. But after scoring 118 points in game one and 77 shots for the Raptors, only scored 104 on 93 shots in their game two defeat. So 14 fewer points, 16 more shots. 
not very good, however way you want to look at it. And, you know, a guy that really didn't show up after having an unbelievable game one was Pascal Siakam. You know, the best player on the floor in game one went 14 to 17, 32 points. Game two, five of 18, only scored 12 points. One of 11 outside the restricted area, didn't score from beyond the arc. So that was a guy who played. It was a huge difference maker in game one. Didn't really get anything going in game two. And I thought, you know, he was one of the main reasons that they weren't able to get it done. But the Raptors did take one game. So not a total loss, but I think they should be up 2-0 right now going to Golden State. Right. They lose home court advantage. Now, the big turn in game two was right out the half. And I've always been big on you got to come out as fiery as you did at the beginning of the game. And they just didn't. First five minutes of the or second half, they didn't score. They let up an 18-0 run. I mean, they were down eight or so, the Warriors, and they ended up being up by 11 at its peak. It's just, it was the quickest flip I've ever seen. And this is a Warriors team that's fiery and is going to put up points on you, and you have to score. And they were, like you said, they were given the opportunities. They took 93 shots, and they really just didn't perform well. I don't like the whole talk that, Kawhi got no help in this game. I mean, Kawhi didn't shoot that great himself. I'm pretty sure he was 8 for 20. And, I mean, he did have 34 points, and his stats were nice. But at the end of the day, it's not like Kawhi was left hanging, in a sense. I mean, some of it, Kawhi was missing some big shots, too, some open shots. Uh, It was only a five-point game, so a couple more from him, and it would have been tied. If not, would have had the lead. Uh, And, again, uh, the speculation of the offseason should really be put off until the end of this series. It's really kind of an annoying thing to – talk Kawhi leaving and all that. I think this has the potential to be a fun series. Uh, Kevin Durant's going to be out game three. I think that'll be a great conversation uh, later in the show. But, uh, yeah, the Raptors, I was just disappointed. Other than that, I won my bet in game two. I was disappointed for the Raptors because if they had any chance to win this series, they needed to win game two. Something They were up a game it looked like they could absolutely take. It was just, uh, it's it's sad it hurts Toronto because now they lose home court advantage. So we'll just have to wait and see how game three goes. Um, any other takes from game one and game two? I mean, you said it, Pascal Siakam, tale of two stories with game one versus game two. But I think he's going to be a quintessential, quintessential piece to this team for years to come, in my opinion. Yeah, he's a great player. And I can't believe you're not going to give me a shout out. Wits came out of the woodwork for his first bet in a while. Took Warriors a half in game two. I was just Very mad happy about, about that bantering we had, so I didn't want to give you credit. I wake up to a text from you bitching about the over-under, and I was like, dude, they pushed. You still won the game. Not a big deal. Four Andre Iguodala. No okay. Or that, that's, that's left to be decided because they did score. Andre Iguodala hit a huge three to push the under for you. They did have three free throws in the final minute. But regardless, big storyline for me out of game two, um, DeMarcus Cousins. This is a guy who wasn't supposed to play in the NBA Finals this year after he suffered um, what many people thought was a season-ending quad tear on April 15th. But Sunday, you know, puts up 11 points, 10 rebounds, dished out six assists in 28 minutes of work. Pretty damn good game by DeMarcus Cousins, and I think he's going to even have to play a greater role now that Kevon Looney is going to be out for the series. Kevin Durant's not playing game three. So I think the Warriors are going to are going to lean a little more on a guy who, you know, is I think one of the biggest names in the sport, um, but he's had so many injury troubles the past two years, it's been hard to keep up with him. But 
here we are, game three. I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to play a big factor in this game. Yeah, I got to be honest. DeMarcus Cousins looked like a fish out of water uh, in the first game and a little bit into the first quarter of game two. But you're right. He was super important, especially at the beginning of the second half, leading the charge. I mean, he was taking the ball up the court to start the second half, playing that point forward position, basically. Something we saw Draymond Green doing in the first half of game two. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. The, the loony injury is going to be really big moving forward. But as you saw... Andrew Bogut came in and filled in really nicely. Three straight alley-oops to Andrew Bogut. This is a guy who played very well professionally over in Australia um, earlier this year and has translated pretty well to coming back into the NBA. I think it'll be a nice one-two punch of Cousins and Bogut when they're giving each other time. I mean, they have Jordan Bell as well to lean on down low. It's tough, obviously, with Marcus All and this Raptors team, which is a very interior-based team. They can shoot, but they like to get in the middle, and they like to cause havoc in the middle. Um, I'm not too concerned about the Looney thing. I think it's just an ESPN storyline to get people leaning towards the Raptors, making uh, making some news that the Warriors are injured and uh, in some trouble. The big one for me, injury-wise, is this Clay Thompson injury with the hamstring. And we, me and you know, both know about hamstrings, not personally, but fantasy football-wise. Hamstrings are the lingering injury of death, in my opinion. They just linger, they don't go away, and you really need to take time to heal. I know this is the last series of the year, but how do you feel this will impact Clay Thompson moving forward? I think it'll impact him quite a bit. I mean, think about Clay Thompson's game. You know, I think it's hilarious, you know, the game where he had, like, more points than dribbles. Um, this guy's one of the best spot-up shooters in the NBA. But, you know, I think hamstring in injury is something that doesn't really heal unless you give it time. And that's just something that we don't have the luxury of right now in the NBA Finals with, you know, possible five games left. So I think he is going to play in Game 3. But I think this is going to change the dynamic of the Warriors offense a little bit because Clay Thompson is such a big part of that, but if he's not able to move around as well, I think it's going to let the Raptors key in on uh, the best offensive weapon on the court, which is Steph Curry. Um, and after Thompson left game two, we, we saw the Raptors break out the crazy box and one, Worked you know, unbelievably right. And a tactic that they could never even dreamed of against a fully healthy golden state squad with guys like Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond green. Um, but I think this is also going to play an impact on the defensive side of the ball, Roz, because Durant, I mean, he's one of the best offensive weapons in the league, but it's also really key to the Warriors' defensive identity. And Klay Thompson is absolutely that as well. I mean, interesting, you look at the Kawhi stoppers, I'm putting my hands up in quotes, the best two defenders on Kawhi Thompson, you know, points for 100 possessions. Number one is Andre Iguodala. Number two. I love that you just called him Kawhi Thompson. I was not going to let that slide. <laughs> what did I say? Kawhi Andre Iguodala and Clay Thompson. Um, Clay Thompson is the second best defender on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know, when you're looking at at least 50 matchups, points per 100 possessions. So, I mean, that kind of makes me perk up a little bit. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's going to get his points, but I'd like to see him be a little more efficient in game three. And with Clay Thompson hobbled a little bit, I think we could see Kawhi Leonard maybe put up 30 points on maybe half as many shots. So I, I could see Kawhi Leonard having a huge game in game three. Right. The line right now sits at five and a half. Um, and I've been ripping. I mean, I've been seeing these lines, Golden State underdogs for the first two games, and it's just been bookie text alerts nonstop. It's just, I, love the, I love the lines. 
Love where they're at. This one, I'm a little hesitant and kind of leading towards Toronto. No KD again. Again, DeMarcus Cousins had a good game, but still has a lot to prove coming off this injury. And like you said, the hobbled Clay Thompson makes it easier for them to run this box and one, which absolutely shut them down minus the Andre Iguodala three-pointer. I got to tell you, I'm leaning towards plus five and a half. I don't know how you're feeling about game three, but I kind of like the Raptors in this one, maybe even to steal this one. But outside of that, it's it's a game you might want to stay away from. Man, I hate agreeing with you. It just it hurts me. Ooh, uh, look at that. I've got, I've got Golden State minus four and a half right now. Lines have been trending downward a little bit since the Open. Also, I think it's the news of KD not playing. Yeah, that, that could definitely be it. So, I love the Warriors in this series, but four and a half, five points, so it's a little bit too much for me, especially with this news about Klay Thompson. I mean, if it comes out tomorrow morning that he's going to be playing, I, I just don't see this line staying where it is. I mean, I think it might go back up to five and a half. Um, so, I, I, I really want to take the Warriors, but I can't lay five points just seeing the way these first two games have played out. Especially if we've got Katie out, we've got an injured Clay Thompson, um, and especially Kevon Looney as well. I think you know, I think he played him down a little bit, but I think he's a pretty big part of this Golden State lineup. When you look at all the surrounding cast, besides you know the the big players on the team, um, so I'm going to stay away from this game as well. I don't like taking the underdog on the road um, unless they're the Warriors, which I did in Game Two. So I'm going to stay away from this one. But I think that I think the line settles at an even five, and it looks like Warriors are minus two fifteen on the money line as of now. I think that goes up to two fifty by the time of tip off. But I think the Warriors win this game, and I think it's going to be tight, Russ. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. But I think the Raptors they didn't do themselves any favors by not taking home game two. Dude, that was like the most backdoor agreeing with me ever. Because at the end of it, you still didn't agree with me. I, you're taking the Warriors here still. I'm let's screw it. I'm never going to avoid a game, especially when it comes to the championship. I'll bet every championship series, game, whatever it is for the rest of the time, I'm taking it. Give it to me. Give me the Raptors plus five because that's where you think the line's going to go. And give me money line. I think the Raptors win game three. When I just think about all the injuries we just saw, this is totally the area where the Warriors are going to have a bunch of pity parties in the locker room, be upset, wait for KD to come back so we have a better storyline. Again, the NBA scripted, as we've talked about before. Uh, they need to lose this one uh, for the major storyline. I'm going Raptors plus five. Kawhi Leonard, 42 points. We see Siakam with a nice 24 to help him out. I mean, Hopefully we see Kyle Lowry stay in the game for the full time. We, he's fouled out two straight games in a row. And uh, we'll get a little bit more Marcus Saul production. I think that's something that was lacking in game two. But that's that's my kind of take. And do you, where, how many more games do you give this series ultimately? Because that's, that's the last question we have to answer about the NBA Finals right now. I'm going to give it three more games, Roz. I think uh, wow. four more games. My apologies. I said when this started... I thought it was going to be 4-2 Warriors. I'm on the other side for Game 3. I think the Warriors take Game 3. And one guy that we haven't talked about yet, um, an all-star point guard for Toronto, is Kyle Lowry. This is a guy who struggled with his shot during the first two games of this series. You know, went 6-20 of 20 from the field and 4-12 of 12 from three-point range. Struggled in Game 2, only had 13 points on 4-11 of 11 shooting. 
Um, but I think this is a guy who we've seen, Roz, usually plays a little better on the road. So I think he's going to be a major X factor in game three. If they're able to get this offense working a little bit better, um, Kyle Lowry is definitely going to play a big part in that. So, you know, although I, I love him, I think he's got a great game. Uh, I just like the Warriors in this one. And I think when it's all said and done, just to go against you, I might have to lay the five and take Golden State. Yeah, I mean, that means we're going to have no fun over the phone waves. But uh, that's fair. Let's talk a little exterior look at the NBA Finals. Me and you have both said, not on the air, but when we were talking to each other, we're kind of rooting for the Warriors with the asterisk being we don't want Kevin Durant to play a single game. We would love to see the Warriors win it all without Kevin Durant. And I think that would be the ultimate shot to his legacy. Am I right or am I right? You're 100% right. We went very deep into this conversation uh, when I was driving home from my Thursday night softball game the other day. And you bring up a great point, Roz. The legacy of Kevin Durant seems like it's got to be the only thing he really cares about in the end. Um, and I know he's won two NBA Finals MVPs. But you know, let's go back before the Warriors had already won the title before KD got there, and if they win this one without him playing, then the ultimate question becomes, is can Kevin Durant win a title with not you know, an all-star team that had already won before and after when he wasn't playing? That becomes the biggest, I think, part of his legacy and the biggest question left to be unanswered. I mean, win or lose this series, I think KD's leaving. I mean, I, I don't think, I'm not calling myself a rocket scientist for saying that, but... I think it's time now that he tries to go out and win on his own because he couldn't do it with Oklahoma City. I thought he might have done it had he stayed one more year, but couldn't get it done with Russell Westbrook. Um, and he's won he's won two championships now on his way. It looks like it could be a third here with Golden State. But you're, you're completely right, Roz. If Kevin Durant leaves Golden State and doesn't win another championship, you know, when we look back at the greatest players in NBA history, what are we going to say about Kevin Durant? I, I, I would want the ability to strip away his NBA Finals MVPs. If Rick Pitino and Louisville can get stripped of their national championship, Reggie Bush stripped of the Heisman, I think this is a strippable offense if KD never wins another title again. Okay, because I understand that the Warriors lost the year before they got him, but the Warriors went to two straight finals without him. And they lost to a LeBron James ridiculous shot by Kyrie Irving first and foremost. And a LeBron James Cleveland team that was just absolutely destined to win. I mean, LeBron had to win one in Cleveland, and it was just unfortunate the Warriors kind of went up against them at that point in time. Literally, that's all that was. This Warriors team never needed Kevin Durant and won't need Kevin Durant moving forward. Have we seen a little bit of weakness with him gone? Yeah, but again, 35-5 and is Steph Curry without Kevin Durant, which is, to me, a very inspiring record moving forward if he is to leave. This legacy is already somewhat tarnished. I think I will pump the brakes a little bit if he does come back and assist the win, especially if I'm right about Toronto winning game three, and then he comes back and they close it out in a sweep fashion, I guess, winning the next three. Um, but I don't think he's going to win. I mean, once he leaves, no way. I don't think there's a guy you can pair him with that he's going to be able to win with. You'd have to do somewhat of a similar Warriors-like team 
to have them win it all. There's just too much talent we're starting to see grow in the NBA that'll get in his way. Because I don't think Kyrie is the answer for him either. Kyrie was barely the answer for LeBron James. So whatever that is in New York wouldn't work, especially with the way we see New York just absolutely mess up their teams and their franchises year in and year out. Um, the legacy is somewhat in shambles. And I think I'm pushing to see it completely in shambles just because of the way he's handled himself in Golden State. He used to be a hero. He was such a great guy. I mean, had one of the best MVP speeches of all time. Um, and I loved how much credit he gave to his mother. And it was great. Like, again, super inspiring. Super into this guy. And then he leaves to Golden State and he embraces being the villain and took the extra step in becoming a real villain. I mean, even LeBron was still a guy you had to ad admire while he was in Miami. But I, there's just no aspect of Kevin Durant that I enjoy, you know? And uh, that's why I'm kind of pushing to see the legacy breaker, which is him not winning a title this year on the court and having to take the ring for what his teammates did for him. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you l listen back to a few years ago when we were doing the show, Kevin Durant was, was my favorite player. And I, I went on record almost every show that we talked about the NBA saying that I thought Kevin Durant was the best player in the NBA. And I'm still, you know, Kevin Durant is a great player and he is one of the best players in the NBA. Absolutely. I wasn't trying to take that away from him. By right. The way. But I, I agree with you. I've kind of, I'm definitely a little sour towards him now with, like you said, his career was always about, you know, second place, second place, in the NBA final, second place, in the MVP, second pick in the draft. And then he finally won that MVP and just was a, a guy that I felt like a lot of casual fans like myself could rally around just because he had a great story. And he turned into, you know, it seems like what a lot of these NBA guys are turning into today. Just guys, they're just, they just bitch and moan all the time about these different things and saying that, you know, the media is the enemy and everything. And it just, it took away all the, the luster and not the star power, but just the overall aura of Kevin Durant as a great player who was a great guy um, who'd finally gotten over that hump. And now, like you said, he's, he's more or less turned into kind of a villain, you know, with the Warriors just – and not anything with his gameplay because, like you said, he won the two NBA Finals MVP. He's definitely been a big part of the Warriors winning. But like you said, after this, because they won before him and if they win and he doesn't play and they win without him again, then that, that begs the question – you know he's gonna need to win another title to cement the legacy, and I'm not on. I'm not as far down the banana boat as you, saying that he'll never do it again. I think he definitely could, but I'm interested to see will he do it, because you know going to the Warriors didn't. I don't think made a lot of people think that. Oh, this guy won a championship. He's he's in the next tier of players. I mean, he went to the best team, and this was after they had the best record of all time in the regular season. You know, and he went to the team, and it was like he's a great player. He might be the best player on the team, but it doesn't do a lot for me in terms of his legacy. When you look at a guy like LeBron, who, you know, say what you want about the time in Miami, being paired up with Bosh and Dwayne Wade, he did go back to Cleveland, though, and win a title against what people are saying is one of the best NBA teams of all time. So I think that really cemented LeBron's legacy for me. I mean, he's always one of the best talents, one of the greatest players ever, but when you look at greatest players, there's one thing that needs to go along with it, and that's championships. And that's why you look at a guy like Tom Brady versus Dan Marino. I mean, Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but one thing he doesn't have is a Super Bowl. So it's hard to even compare him 
against those kind of guys because he never won the big game. And this is this is by no means a shot at Dan Marino. He was just the first guy I thought of as a you know great all-time quarterback. Charles Barkley could be your example in basketball also. Right. Charles Barkley is one of those guys that I, I put Dan Marino in a little higher category in terms of, you know, the top tier of quarterbacks to ever play the game. Um, so, yeah, it makes it hard to compare people. And Kevin Durant, on a similar note, even though he's won two NBA titles, you know, looking at the factors surrounding it all, um, I think he needs he needs to win another one, not with the Warriors being the go to guy on the team for his legacy to be cemented as one of the all time greats. Otherwise, he's just another guy who won a couple championships, was a great player, won an MVP. But I think people are always going to question, you know, he did go to the best team in the NBA and, you know, win two titles when they'd already won two without him. You know, I, as much as I, I like the guy and I did love the guy, I think there's a lot of question marks ahead. You know what? We're a gambling show. And I'm notorious for my Tiger Woods stance and him winning the Masters really uh, put it to me. And you know what? We're going to go with the Game of Thrones reference here. I will do a shame walk like Cersei Lannister if Nobody Durant, wants to see your naked body. I will, I'll put something over the midsection so nobody has to see that pride and joy. But I will do a shame walk from Venice to Santa Monica if KD ever wins a title outside of Golden State. There is no comeback player of the year. There is no who's back of the week Tiger Woods award. KD leaves, it's over. Not winning another title. Don't care who he partners up with, who he teams up with. Russ Westbrook, in some aspects, is the best point guard in the NBA. It's over. KD, done. Finito, finished. See you later. Well, yeah, I I didn't want to go to California to see you, but I might have to go for this walk of shame if it ever happens. Guaranteed. Yeah, I uh, I just I don't know. I'm I'm off. I'm off Kevin Durant. Just like a, the opening line of today's show, stay away, KD. Um, that's that's how I'm feeling, and that's where we're at in the NBA. Uh, which you're kind of our go-to here. We don't have a lot left. We're kind of in the lull. U.S. Open coming up though, so we will obviously have Jared Rubin on the show to talk some golf. We all had a pretty successful. Uh, PGA Championship. Obviously, it didn't propel us far enough up the leaderboard, but we will still be in the competition for our group pool and hopefully help you guys with your group pool. But Witt, since you are the expert, what are some of the big takeaways from the Major League Baseball draft that just occurred? Yeah, great, great point, Roz. We had a very exciting first couple rounds of the MLB draft. Um, and number one overall pick, if you didn't see it over this past weekend, Uh, Catcher Adley Rushman out of Oregon State got intentionally walked with the bases loaded in a college baseball game with no outs. They were down 5-2. He got intentionally walked. Um, Adley Rushman, you know, he's he's a switch hitter. He is the best player in college baseball. 408 for Oregon State this year. Um, And you look at all the guys. MLB draft, I think, is one of the biggest toss-ups because there's so many rounds. Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, there's so many levels to get through before a guy finally gets to the majors that you never truly know. Whereas in, you know, the NFL, the NBA, I mean, these guys are jumping right into the starting lineup, usually from day one. And But the NBA, you have two rounds. The NFL, you have seven. The MLB, you have 40. So there's a lot more variability. Um, but, you know, the Orioles, I think in baseball, it's a lot more about taking the best guy available because with all the, the big farm system, there, there's so many things that can happen. 
Um, you know, the Orioles taking a switch hitting catcher who probably has the safest floor in the draft, drawing a lot of comparisons to Buster Posey and Joe Maurer. Pretty good place to be for them. So I was really excited about him getting taken number one. The second pick, really interesting here. The most famous name, I think, in this year's class, Bobby Witt Jr. out of Texas Heritage High School. Um, his father was the number three overall pick in the 1985 draft. So this would make the Wits the first father-son combination to both be selected as top five picks. So that, that was a pretty cool story to see. Um, Bobby Sr. spent 16 years in the big leagues, and it was a great player. Bobby Jr., power-hitting shortstop, five-tool potential. I think it's always interesting to see these guys come straight out of high school because they've got you know three or four more years to develop their game. And run down the first round a little bit, we had the Chicago White Sox taking Andrew Vaughn, first baseman out of Cal. This is a guy who's only about six feet tall, so pretty interesting that as a first baseman was a 2018 college Golden Spikes winner as you know the best player in college baseball. You know, 402 batting average in 2018, hit 381 this year, 50 home runs in three seasons at Cal. I mean, this guy is a very special talent, and maybe one day we'll take over for Jose Abreu there in Chicago. And then rounding out the top 10, we had the Miami Marlins taking J.J. Blade, outfielder out of Vanderbilt. Um, one, I think the best outfielder in college baseball. It was a great pick by them. We had the Tigers taking Riley Green, an outfielder out of Haggerty High School in Florida. We had the Padres take C.J. Abrams, another shortstop high schooler out of Roswell, Georgia. The Reds, Nick, Nick Lodolo. Um, interesting that we waited six picks to get a starting pitcher in this draft. It seems like usually the first few guys are all flamethrowing, you know, righties, lefties, starters, either from high school or college. Um, but, you know, this class was seen as one of the weaker pitching classes that we've seen in a long time. But Nick Lodolo, one of the best pitchers in college baseball and a lefty as well. A very interesting pick here by the Reds, um, 6'6", 185. This is a guy who's got, I think, a lot of big game potential with the fastball, slider, changeup combination. Last three in the top ten, we had Josh Oom, third baseman out of Texas Tech. Um, great player. Then 9 and 10, we had Shea Langoliers, catcher out of Baylor for the Braves. And then San Francisco took Hunter Bishop, an outfielder out of Arizona State. So that rounded out the top ten. Um, this draft seems like it's going to go on for years, but after 40 rounds, we will be done. Another year has gone by, and yeah, just an overall exciting. I think the draft in any sport is exciting, so it was great to see all those guys in the videos, where they were at, whether it be in a hometown, whether it be at a, at a, at a um, draft party. It was great, um, but we we got many more, much more baseball left to see this year, so it's exciting, but now we're back to the major leagues here. Right, and quick shout-out to Ryan Jensen from Fresno State being the Cubs' first pick this year. Uh, obviously, our hometown team wits. For me, I have no idea when it comes to drafting prospects in Major League Baseball. They obviously all go, have to go through the minors, and not everyone is a Brett Favre or... Not Brett Favre. Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg. I don't know. I, I got Brett on the mind today, I think. Um... So again, what they're talking about in terms of this kid is he lacks height. He's six foot flat, um, doesn't have any refined secondary pitches, and a guy who throws some heat doesn't seem like he'll be much more than a bullpen bullpen option for us moving forward. I don't know how you draft a Kershaw. I don't know how you draft a Scherzer, but it doesn't seem like the Cubs have done that in recent years. I mean, Kyle Hendricks might get a little credit, kind of like a Greg Maddox style guy, but uh, 
I just I just like the name, and uh, you kind of root for uh, the growth, and we'll see how it how it goes from there. Yeah, and uh, like you mentioned, this guy throws in the high 90s, so if he's able to you know work on a secondary pitch, I mean the, the Cubs they need some bullpen help, so hopefully this guy gets up sooner rather than later. But you know, like we said before, so much variability in the MLB draft. There's a lot of great talent out there. Um, and who will rise to the top? You never know. I mean, there's some guys in the first round who never make it up there, and there's some guys who get drafted in the 25th, 30th, 40th round that eventually make their way onto the big league diamond. So we'll see as time moves along, but it'll probably be, you know, three, four years till you start seeing these names again. I mean, there's very, very few guys who jump straight to the major leagues um, or ha- even have a year of minor league play. It usually takes a couple years to get these guys going because there's such a big gap between high school and college baseball and the pros. Um, but like we said, very exciting. That was another great draft. And, yeah, hopefully the Cubs bullpen figures it out. We might have to call up Ryan Jensen a little bit early. Right, yeah, we definitely need our pitching to figure it out and our hitting to spark it back up. It's been a tough uh, last 10 game for the Cubs, especially with the sweep of the Cardinals recently. Um but that's pretty much what we got. Like I said, we're in the lull of sports season. We're trying to give you the best bets we can, and uh, you should definitely ride me when it comes to the Raptors here in Game 3 tomorrow. Wits, I am headed to Denver. I couldn't record in Denver. That would have been a new state. Um, if you listen to our old show, I was constantly traveling and doing the shows. But I'm headed to Denver for Challenge Mania Denver. If you love MTV and listen to our Derek podcast, we've got more MTV people coming up. You should check us out in Denver. It'll be a fun show um, at the Denver Improv. What's any big weekend plans for you? Any final words you have for our guests on this lovely Tuesday? Just got a little graduation party, so knock back a couple Bud Lights and uh, enjoy whatever sports are on. Uh, it'll be a good weekend, and then we'll be uh, back on the grindstone. Another week of work. Got the countdown, 38 years to go. Um, so yeah, things are good. Things are right. Good the, Dylan Wall's famous countdown is at 38 years. We've uh, we've hit a new milestone. Which you kind of we have a little bit of time, not too much, but I want you to do this pretty quickly. We're gonna put you in Witz's corner since I let you talk Major League Baseball uh, draft rankings, and you brought it up, so I just I'm curious. We're gonna have you rank five light beers. I'm a little upset you chose Bud Light right off the bat. We're going to have it be Coors, Miller Light, Bud Light, Natural Light, and Bush Light. I'm going to need those ranked in five, and we will get off the airwaves. If you want to give us your rankings again, put them in the iTunes review. We'll read them out, and uh, we love talking beer. So, Wits, give us your five beers in favorite to least favorite order. Top five beers. This is a super easy question, easiest one you've ever asked me. Number one, big hitter, can't miss almost every weekend. Bud Light is the pick, top five by far. Next, very close second, Natural Light. Haven't had it since. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Always liked it. Bush Light, uh, I think standing alone in third place. Definitely not as good as the first two, but definitely not bringing up the rear. And I'm not even going to give you a four or five. Coors and Miller are absolute garbage. If you drink them, you need to rethink what you're doing in life because Bud Light is the way to go. That's my top five, short and sweet. Wow. Well, and shout out to Andy Diaz for taking down Anthony Joshua for the heavyweight title. We need to throw that in there. 
Right. Yeah. He uh, he just put physical fitness to rest. I mean, I'm about to come. I'm going back to 225 wits and go get yourself a cheeseburger. That, right. There's definitely a picture of me floating around in my 225 days that I'm I'm feeling comfortable about looking like again after that DS fight. But that is all the time we have this week, everybody. We got you two episodes this week. Again, hit us up on iTunes for reviews or on Instagram at Ethan Rose Four or at Xander Horwitz. We'd love to get your DMs and answer your questions. It has been fun, everybody. Have a fantastic week. If you're in Denver, come say hello. If you're at a graduation party and you think you see wits, also say hello. This has been the opening line, everybody. We will catch you next week. I just need to know, Maybe you could ride with me. Like, Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.